Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi, welcome to episode 11. I hope you listened to last week's podcast and already met Kelly Gherkin. If you haven't, I highly recommend doing so as she has so much love and grace and wisdom to offer bereaved parents. Let me just take a minute to reintroduce her. Kelly Gherkin is the founder of Sufficient Grace Ministries, serving thousands of grieving families worldwide since 2004, comforting others with the comfort she received in her time of grief. She's the mother of five children, three who dance in heaven, and two who fill her days with boyish antics on this earth. Kelly's a featured speaker at hospitals, churches, women's groups, and a leader of educational seminars for hospital staff and caregivers. She's also a certified SGM perinatal loss support doula, building a comprehensive perinatal hospice birth and bereavement program to support bereaved families. Kelly's book, Sufficient Grace, addresses many of the questions people ask in the face of tragedy, and we will be talking a little bit about that book in this episode. There were some sound quality issues when this was recorded, but we did our best with the editing. And now let's get to our talk specifically about pregnancy and infant loss with Kelly Gherkin. Originally, my question to you was along the line of, I want to do a session on miscarriages and stillborn infant death. And so when you emailed me back and said, I would be happy to do this, but you did make a suggestion and I found it very interesting. And you said, can we do it um, pregnancy and infant loss? And I thought that was really interesting that you wanted to tweak the terminology. And so I would love to hear from you what that's about, why you suggested that, you know, what is behind that. Validation and acknowledgement is huge in any loss. I think especially when we're talking about, there's a unique aspect when we talk about baby loss because it's different. It's not like when your husband dies, when your mother dies, when your friend dies, when an older child dies and other people knew them, other people have seen them, they have memories with them. And so they can enter in with you and validate and acknowledge the tangible loss of your child in a different way. But with pregnancy and infant loss, there's, there's a definitely a lack sometimes, I think, I think an extra layer of hurt for families because other people didn't necessarily tangibly see or know their child. And there's often a lack of acknowledgement for their specific loss. And so I wanted to make sure that we were careful to include kind of the whole gamut, not to just say maybe miscarriage or, or, or maybe one or two of those words, but to say pregnancy and infant loss, just to make sure that we include a loss in any gestation, whether it's an early miscarriage, a later stillbirth, a neonatal loss up to, you know, through infancy, um, because there does tend to be that, that stigma of feeling left out or overlooked. Yeah. And, you know, as you were talking, I'm thinking about 
miscarriage. Doesn't that almost feel like an accusation? You miscarried your baby. Kind of like when we talk about committing suicide as opposed to died by suicide kind of a thing. And even just that word miscarriage almost has a stigma to it in that sense. It could. Um, even, even more of a stigma regarding miscarriage is the medical terminology that's often used. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but sometimes on the paperwork, a parent will have to see words like spontaneous abortion. Um, and we, we work very hard at Sufficient Grace Ministries to work with hospitals about the terminology they use when they're talking to patients. Because any kind of, when we're insinuating that you've chosen this, you've done this, you know, yourself. Um, I think a parent already feels that. A parent naturally feels a level of guilt or shame or what could I have done to prevent the death of my child. So whenever we're, we're using terminology, we want to not use any kind of words that might make them feel like an added layer of that that guilt or accusation like you said there's such an element of that as a parent anyway when you're going through loss what was it something I ate was it you know something I could have done to prevent this so um, so yeah just I think more just trying to make sure we include it and and didn't leave someone out or, or yeah insinuate that um, their loss was was not valid and had anything else attached to it. Yeah, I, I really thank you for calling attention to that because you're, you're right, it's very important. And when, when you do call it a pregnancy loss, you're saying exactly what it is and you are validating that you have a child. You lost a child just like I lost a child. Even though I had mine, you know, living, breathing, interacting for 29 years, yeah, your loss is every bit as valid as mine that you lost a child. So with that, and you, you mentioned this, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, Grieving parents as a whole, unless you've been through it, you just don't understand the day-to-day -day things that you get slapped with in the face that you don't expect. I mean, we have to live with this. People don't understand that, which is understandable. They, you don't know what it's like unless you've lost a child. And so with the area of pregnancy loss and the early infant loss, there are things that mothers with this kind of a loss deal with that those of us who were blessed to have our children on this earth to get to know them there are things that that you moms deal with that we don't realize like you said this is another layer of loss so can you share with us what some of those things are that you deal with that these moms deal with that we don't who have lost older children sure so a couple of the things that um that stick out the most is sometimes there's um, added regret, which I think, again, you have that in any loss. You always wish you had more time, and, and so you have regrets. Um, that's a normal part of grief and loss, but with a pregnancy or infant loss, there can be regrets because you're so shocked, because you often don't know how to navigate, and you only get a little window of time to make memories with your baby, there can be regrets about how you spent that time. Um, maybe you did get time, opportunity to hold your baby, but you didn't know you could hold your baby, or you felt uncomfortable, or there wasn't someone there to kind of guide you and walk with you through that, or maybe you, you 
at the moment said, I don't want pictures, you know, and I don't want someone to come. And maybe you didn't get pictures of your baby. And you look back once you are out of that phase of shock and devastation and you say, oh, I wish I wish I would have known I could do that. I, I said, no, why did I do that? And so there's a lot of different kinds of regrets like that, um, that families face. Uh, another, again, like I said, the lack of validation. You know, when they don't have a lot of tangible memories that say this treasured life was here, then often parents are, are kind of left with, you know, you, a couple weeks go by and you think, okay, did that even really happen? You know, was my baby here? The world is going on without me and I'm stuck here, which again, I think all grief has that aspect a little bit too, how the world is just keeps going and you're not really ready to go on. But I think the having less tangible memories is definitely, and having that lack of validation is a big thing for parents um, that they face. Also, it's not just over once that raw grief is over. You're always living with that hole in your heart and people don't always see or acknowledge it. So that acknowledgement issue goes on. Uh, my, my son, when he was 12 years old, I remember my youngest son, uh, we were at the doctor and the doctor asked him a very simple question that any 12 year old should be able to answer. She said, um, are you the oldest or the youngest? She knew I had two living children. Are you the oldest or the youngest? Or no. How did she, she didn't say you're the oldest or the youngest. She said, she said something about birth order. I can't remember first or second child or something like that. She said it like that first or second child. And he said, he just looked at me. He couldn't answer the question because he's actually the fifth child, but she didn't acknowledge those children in the middle. She didn't maybe even know about them. And he looked at me frozen as a 12 year old without an answer. And, you know, I explained then I answered the question because the doctor's looking at us like, is something developmentally wrong with your child that he doesn't know the answer to this question? He should know first or second. And so I explained, well, he's actually the fifth child we had, you know, twin daughters and a son that passed but but it, it I remember it kind of hitting me that day and it's been many years I talk about our losses all the time I speak all over I've written about it I talk about it it's not like it's a new thing it's part of my work it's part of my everyday but in that moment it hit me this is something that changes our whole family and the dynamics of our family for our whole time here on earth, you know, it's there, it's always there. And so I think parents juggle a lot of that. I know one thing that I had not thought about, which is kind of what made me ask this question. I was at a grieving mom's conference, the first one I ever went to, and they had broken us up into small groups. So our group was done. We were coming back to the main room and I overheard the group with the infancy loss talking. And one of the things they were sharing is they were talking about how they were lactating and there's no baby to feed and you know those kinds of things and it just it stunned me I that was one of those things that I had never ever thought about and I'm thinking how horrible how absolutely horrible and then I met a woman Marcella Johnson and you may be familiar with called the comfort cubs and you know meeting her spending some time with her and she gave me one of these precious little cubs and and her discovery was in her infant loss that he only lived for like 15 minutes or something but her how her arms literally ached I mean it wasn't imaginary her arms ached and she thought she was losing her mind and um, grabbed a clay pot one one time and it just was so comforting and she thought I really am losing my mind and then she started finding out there were women wrapping up 
pineapples and blankets in the grocery store and just crazy things. So she thought, I need to help all of us women. And so she came up with the comfort cups. And I think you have other things along that line on your website for women to be able to connect with, right? Yes, we do. Um, having those tangible memories that acknowledge the baby make a huge difference. And so even if you didn't have that kind of support in the moment um, when you lost your baby and later you're grieving and you feel that physical ache of empty arms and Marcella is so right. It is a real legitimate ache. Um, we do have some things. We have a memory book uh, and other resources mm -hmm. we've written um, for families. And the memory book's nice because it's kind of like, um, it's like a baby book for a life that's brief. And we offer our resources to families for free. If they're able to cover shipping, that's great. And if they're not, uh, we still give them and we send them all over the world. So if you never received resources or, or you have, but you're, you're still longing for something, we would be more than happy to send you a Dreams of You package and um, invite you to our online support group because no family should walk through this alone. Oh, yes, I totally agree. Now, see, there's another thing that my bells are going off, going ding, 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 ding. Another thing I never thought of. You know, you've got a baby book. You can't, you're not going to have the first tooth, the first hair, the first day of school. You're not going to have all that. And yet it's very valid to want some sort of a memory book to remember the pregnancy, to remember what those moments were like if you did get to hold them. I mean, that is huge. So, you know, there's just one more thing that it's like, wow, another one of those things that I just didn't think about. No. And, and the whole, the dreams of you book actually came about because I was looking for a gift for a friend who had lost a baby. It was right. This, our ministry was basically started from me looking for this book that I couldn't find because all I could find were baby books. And all that did was show it emphasized what's not here, what you lost those, those dreams you lost for your child. Like you, you mentioned those milestones. So, um, we created one. So I just sat down and, you know, tears are pouring and I'm thinking it was kind of like I woke up. I mean, it was eight years after my losses. It wasn't like I rushed into uh, this at all. It was the first time I had said, what would I have wanted to, what would have been a comfort to me if someone would have given me a gift and having a place to say they mattered, they were here, they had a life, they lived. Our life has changed in so many ways, but it's because they lived. It's not just because they died, they lived. And I think for parents whose babies are have a brief life uh, and brief time here on this earth, it's really important to still embrace that, to know that, to hear that, and to celebrate that. And so these tangible items help do that, but also even like incorporating memories uh, of your child into your family traditions as time goes on. You know, Christmas ornaments on the tree, have a little birthday celebration, do something special. So Every it's okay to do that stuff? It's not like crazy and wrong and you need to just get over this kind no of thing? Way. <laughs> no, it's great and it's healthy and healing and that weaves that whole joy into, you know, that it's the whole beauty from ashes and it's the joy mixed with the grief you do miss your baby, but there are beautiful ways that they are always still part of your family. And, and that's not a morbid, I think sometimes the world does that. You're right. They look at it and say, Oh, you're so crazy. You haven't moved on. I mean, 
I, I spend my time often at hospitals helping families as a, a perinatal loss doula now um, coming alongside. We help them. We make sure they have those memories right away. We bring them clothes to fit their baby and, and options. And we, we also have remembrance photography. We do all of those things. And I, I was talking about how I was, I had a post one day where I was talking about um, kind of having a, a flash to my own my own uh, son, my Thomas, uh, he had had that ventilator bag, you know, and there was a baby going by in the hall as I was with this family, you know, on the bag, and I hadn't seen that color bag in, you know, whatever, uh, 15 years at that point, maybe it had been, and, and I was not wallowing in any way, but I mentioned it. You know, when I'm with a family, it's about their journey, their story. I'm focused on them. I'm helping them celebrate their baby's life, but in that moment, I did have, nobody knew it. I just privately to myself, noticed that. And so I was writing about it later. And someone from our community just really thought that was the weirdest thing. Like, why would I still be talking about my child? Am I not over it? And obviously I'm healthy and, and not in an unhealthy place. If I can go help other people in that situation, I'm not, I'm not unhealthy. But to her, even the mention of these babies that died, you know, was an unhealthy thing. And, um, and you get those questions a lot, I think, as parents will like, why are you still bringing that up? Because it makes maybe someone else uncomfortable, um, or they misunderstand, but bringing up your child and incorporating their memory into your life is not wallowing or being crazy or, or being unhealthy. It's a, it's a beautiful, why shouldn't we acknowledge the lives of, of everyone we love? That's, that just makes sense. It really, to me, it's more unhealthy to stuff it and pretend like your child never lived. You know, I talk about my children's memories all the time. I mean, what just came to my mind, my oldest son, he did a summer school pre-kindergarten thing, and his teacher said, oh, he is such a social butterfly. He's my little social butterfly. Well, he's in his 30s now, but that's just one of those memories. So why is it okay for me to bring up that memory to somebody because he's alive, but it's not okay to bring up a memory that I have of my daughter who not here on earth anymore we're gonna have memories and like you even if it's a hospital memory we're gonna have memories and I love that encouragement to shift from our life isn't changed because they died our life is changed because they lived yes and we need those changes in perspective a lot of times it's that whole shift in perspective that can break us, continue keeping us broken, or that can begin to lift us up to live again, like that whole joy thing, the faith thing, the, you know, all of this, a lot of it is our perspective. And so that's one thing we're trying to do here is to encourage these parents to change some of these perspectives. I want to talk about you talked about your son a little bit, your youngest, and he is what people would call a rainbow baby. If some people don't know what a rainbow baby is, that is one that comes along after a miscarriage that lives and grows and is your child here on earth. It's a horrible thing when someone will say, well, at least you can have another child. That is not what a mom wants to hear or a dad. There's only one thing that can fill that hole, and that's that child. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, to tell someone, well, at least you can have another child. Our need isn't for another child. Our need is for the child we lost. So people just don't understand that. So I'm going to ask you a question. Well, actually a couple of questions. What is it like for those who have the blessing of a rainbow baby? And what is it like for those who don't or can't? 
Well, I'm glad that you asked that question because I always want to be careful when I share my own story, not to make it seem like we're okay today because we had another baby because not everybody has that ending. And, um, I, in, I wrote about in my book a little bit. Um, I think I even kind of mentioned that part about saying it's important to understand that God had restored our hearts. Not that, not that he, filled that empty hole because that's there until we're in heaven again. But he had given us a joy and he had given us a full abundant life. Even before there was seven years, I think between um, my oldest son and our, our youngest son. So there was a few years after the losses that we did not have another child and God's, if I would have lived my whole life without having another child, my healing and I say healing, healing doesn't equal, we're just okay skipping along. Healing meaning restored and able to have joy and a healthy life, even without that. And so I think it's important that we don't depend our happiness, have our happiness depend on, just like we talked about before, that that it's not about always us getting the answer we want from God. We have to be surrendered and trusting to the point of whatever happens, we trust. And so I want to say that to um, now, having said that, a pregnancy after loss is filled with fear. It's overwhelming. It's very difficult. You're holding your breath the whole time until you hear that baby cry. And even when you do, you're constantly wondering if, if, if they could be taken from you. And I think when you go through loss, you're stripped of that invincibility and innocence to the point where you understand that nothing is fully safe. I mean, we're safe with God and we have to rest in that. But circumstances wise, nothing's off the table, you know, and so you're always kind of knowing that thing, that your people you love can be taken from you and you walk around with that limp. Um, after loss. So, so it doesn't fix everything. It's very difficult having a pregnancy after loss. And I remember when James was born, I, I was, I was waiting for that cry and he didn't cry right away. You know, I'm asking the doctor, you know, make him cry. Why isn't he crying? And, and then, um, you know, he, he's, he finally cried. And I asked the doctor, when will I feel okay, when will I be able to breathe? When will I believe that he's really here? And it was such a weird question after a long labor, but he just looked at me and said, you know, it will come. And I think he probably didn't really know the answer either, but um, it did come. It did come. I was able to breathe somewhat again, but but I think it it's a real surreal experience carrying a baby. So there is not having another child never replaces the child you lost, as you said. You cannot do that, um, and it's not a, a quick and easy fix by any means. And it's also not a guarantee. We have many mamas who long to have another baby to and and have that empty arms ache, which you do have, the longing for another child is so understandable because it does ease our hurts somewhat. It doesn't replace, it doesn't take away to have that child in your arms. And, and there is a comfort in that. So you long for it and not everyone gets that answer. 
just like not everyone gets the healing this side of heaven. And so I would say to that, it's a very difficult journey. It's another layer of grief for a mom who cannot have, who has infertility after loss. I think it is a little harder for the mamas who aren't able to have another baby. It's another layer of grief for them. Those things are very real. And so those are things that we have to fight. We have to lean back into God, lean back into his perfect love, the love that's so much deeper than what we can ever comprehend, and just lean into that and let God carry us through those things. And I noticed on your website, the scripture that caught my eye, it's on your About Us page, and you have a little thing there, and it's Psalm 126.5, those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. And there's that word again. Mm-hmm. That scripture, um, there's so many scriptures, so it's neat that you chose that one. I have several. I'm, I'm grateful you chose that one because that one actually speaks so much to my heart um, about the way God healed our family and our marriage because that's what happens. You know, you, you're reaping in this sorrow when you grieve and you, and it's just, your tears are just endless. You, some days you feel like, how can I still have more tears? How can liquid still be pouring forth from me? And um, God has, they're not wasted. God uses everything in our lives, even the broken stuff, to make beauty and to give gifts and to weave this extraordinary story of healing and purpose. It's incredible. He does that through our whole lives. And so when you're sowing in tears, you will reap with songs of joy. And I held on to every scripture that promised there could be joy on the other side and that it wouldn't hurt this bad forever. And that's what I tell fresh grieving, freshly grieving mamas all the time. It will, I cannot make this better for you. There's no word I can say, but I can promise you that it won't hurt this bad forever. And I needed to know that I held on to that through everything. Um, And the songs of joy part is very interesting because of course we have such comfort in enjoy and hope in praising God, even our broken praise. I think sometimes our broken praise is the most beautiful to him, but scripture has multiple layers for me, the the sowing in tears, the reaping in joy, God's faithfulness in that, but even personally, our marriage story, um, I think of us walking through so many broken places and then standing there to sing today, literally to sing. (laughs) You know, that's something only God can do, isn't it? It Take something so shattered and so broken and to put it together in such a way that beauty really can come from the ashes. It really can. But we have to surrender those pieces to him for God to be able to do that, don't we? Oh, yes. That is exactly... You don't know it when you're surrendering. Surrendering feels excruciating. You think, how can I trust you when you're allowing this to happen? But the minute you do it, the minute we surrender, the minute we trust God, that nothing can happen to us that's not filtered through his love and say we are safe with him no matter what, 
then he, there's no limit to where he can take us and how he can work and heal and rebuild and restore and pour beauty and joy and grace and all that he has to give back into our lives. We are safe with him. In fact, it really is the only place that's safe. That is very true. I agree 100% with that. Kelly, you've been able, as we've talked, you've shared some things about your ministry, Sufficient Grace. I want to give you a chance to share about your book real quick. Okay, great. So my book, basically, it's a lot about our faith journey. It's a lot about uh, what I've shared, but there's more, of course, more in-depth sharing about that day-to-day surviving kind of faith journey. The first part of the book talks about our journey and talks about um, our marriage, talks about our children's experience, um, it talks about our babies. A lot is woven into that about what grief looks like in a family when you lose a baby. And the second, and how God is faithful to carry us through when we don't get those answers, the sight of heaven. We talk about sibling grief in the second half and marriage and kind of break it down a little bit more into um, topical things that might be relevant to uh, uh, someone going through pregnancy or infant loss. Sounds like it's not just necessarily for those who have faced pregnancy loss, but there's a lot of things in there for those of us who face any age loss of children. I, I definitely think you will find it relevant. Yeah. Well, we're going to wrap it up. So I just want to find out, is there anything else that you want to share that's just really on your heart that you haven't had a chance to share that you just kind of a parting thought for those who are watching? I think when you're going through raw grief, it's really, it feels like this pit. It feels like a pit you can't climb out of. And I just want to speak to anyone who just feels stuck there. Um, If you're hurting, it's so hard in that moment. You think, where you feel so alone and so desperate and so low sometimes, and it's hard to even feel God. When I lost my mother, actually, I had a hard time praying. It was the first time I had a hard time praying in my life. That's usually what I do for comfort, and so I couldn't. And my pastor was saying, well, are you still praying? You know, I was telling him I'm struggling. Are you still praying? And I said, I try to pray, but when I go to God, All I can say is I can't talk to you right now. It just hurts too much. Just hurts. I can't talk to you. And he said, that's still prayer. And I think it's important to just give yourself that grace to know that even if you are too broken to reach for God, he is there with you in that pit. He is there. He will carry you. He will hold you. There's nothing, nowhere you can go where his love can't find you. And that even if you can't pray, he knows and and just saying i can't even talk to you right now that's that's still prayer and so i think just to know that you know we have relationships that get broken all the time and we can't maybe talk to that person they're still your husband your friend your mom they don't stop being there just because you're hurting and god is the same even if we can't feel him He will never leave you nor forsake you. He really is still there. So I think just to to know that grace and to have hope that it will not always hurt this bad and you will have joy again. Well, that's great words for a final thought here. And that's a good thing that we can't get away from his love. That's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So Kelly, thank you so much for being willing to just share your heart with us, your own journey of pain with us. 
how God's been there for you and just encouraging others. Thank you. One of the things I have discovered in my five years of being a bereaver, which is a parent who's bereaved of their child, is how many incredible people there are in this club that none of us want to be in. They're some of the wisest, strongest, most passionate and caring people that I think are on the face of this earth. And I consider it an honor to know these people. And Kelly Gherkin is definitely one of them. Just a couple of weeks ago, Someone told me that she'd had a miscarriage, but she hadn't lost a child like I have. And I told her, yes, you have lost a child. And she started crying, and she told me thank you. And this has actually happened several times. And every single time, the mom starts crying. And she's so thankful to have her loss validated, sometimes for the very first time ever. So I know that there are others out there that you and I don't know about who have experienced this loss of a child in their womb, and they need to hear this message. So would you please share this episode on social media. There are so many around us who need their loss validated and the comfort that Kelly gives. Each week, I am honored to announce any birthdays for the coming week of our children who are no longer here on this earth with us. But on this week's podcast, I don't have any to announce for this first week in July. If you would like to have your son or daughter added to the birthday segment, just go to gpshope.org slash birthdays and fill out the information and submit it. There will also be a link in the show notes that will take you to the form so you can go there as well. As I shared last week, I want to remind you that this episode and last week's episode with Kelly are part of our online conference that we called our GPS Hope and Healing Virtual Summit. We know that a lot of you would like the benefit of attending a conference for bereaved parents, but it just isn't possible. Sometimes we just don't have the finances. Maybe we can't get the time off of work. And sometimes we just don't feel like we're emotionally stable to be able to attend something like that. So a couple of years ago, I decided to get 19 speakers together and have an online conference. And this means that you can watch 18 videos in the privacy of your home at a time that's convenient for you. And we have made this available on our website store for only $49. Last week, I didn't have it broken down, but I did the math. It's less than $3 a session. That's crazy, right? So to find out who the speakers are, the titles of the sessions, you can even watch a free session, or if you just know you want to purchase it, because they're all people like Kelly. They're just wonderfully encouraging in all the different areas of our grief. You can find it at gpshope.org slash virtual summit. There will be a link to this in the show notes. And you'll also find a link in the show notes about the Comfort Cub that we talked about. You can find that. uh, The website for the Comfort Cub is www.thecomfortcub.org. Or like I said, a link will be in the show notes for that as well. So you don't have to remember all these links. All you have to do is go to gpshope.org, click on the podcast tab, And then just go to the podcast with Kelly Gherkin on pregnancy and infant loss. It's number 11. Just click on that and all these links will be right there in front of you. So all you have to remember is gpshope.org. 
and then go to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is Laura Deal reminding you to hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.